Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Listeners, welcome to Become More National Park, where the buffalo run free, and so do the founders. <laughs> Tammy and Scott, how are you tonight? Good. We're with you. Yeah, we're awesome. It's, it's always a good time. Scott, earlier this week, you sent me a link to something that had really struck you recently. Mm. Yeah. And it's a little a little less lighthearted than we sometimes are. But the idea was about wounds, as my daughter might have said, ouchies. Ouchies. And how that distorts our reality. It changes how we look at lots of things. It changes how things come to us and what we do in return. And you're nodding really vigorously. What did this make you think about? How I learned about this, I think they're called the seven deadly wounds. What struck me is I I was listening to a podcast and they talked about this uh, concept of healing and do organizations have, call it a responsibility to support individuals or support each other to heal and become more. That's really what struck me was this whole idea of if we're paying attention to each other as humans inside an organization are are they becoming more and it was an interesting conversation because they brought these abandonment shame fear powerlessness rejection hopelessness confusion into the conversation about do these things are these things what prevent individuals and leaders from becoming as good as they could be because something is holding them back whether that's from a personal perspective or from an organizational, you know, from an individual performance work perspective. It really struck me because it was like, oh, this piece of rejection. Oh, my boss told me, no, that wasn't a good idea. So therefore, I'm I'm not going to bring any more ideas to the table. And I know that maybe is an extreme example, but, you know, you think about each of those stood out to me as like, huh, there's something there. Scott, can mm-hmm. you say those things again? Seven, yeah, yeah, what are they? Yeah. So it's abandonment, which is when I looked it up online, it gave the here's what it is and how they distort identity. These are from Pat Lencioni. So I, that- I heard it on Lencioni, but it's actually, <laughs> it comes somewhere from some religious background. If you Thank Google you. search this, you're going to get lots of faith you know, based. Catholic faith based kind of things. It struck me as, okay, the seven, abandonment, is I'm all alone or no one understands me. Oh, wow. Shame. I'm bad. It's my fault. And Brene Brown talks a lot about shame, I think, in powerful ways. Fear. If I trust speak, I'll be hurt. If I what speak? If I trust someone or if I speak up, I would be hurt. Okay. Okay. So I don't want to, right? And, and in my mind, I hear hurt. I'm like, oh, I get fired. I get yelled at. I get whatever. Powerlessness. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. 
rejection. I'm not wanted. I don't have value. Hopelessness. Oh, it's never going to change. It's always been this way. Or confusion. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So when I heard this and it's, you know, right. And I was driving when I was listening to this. And when I got to a place and I looked it up and I read this little grid, I was like, it's kind of interesting from a leadership and organizational perspective about where as a leader or where as an individual, do you have this blocking or distortion and how do you work through it? The idea that the wounds have come from work or that we carry these with us from all kinds of places and just thinking how they play out at work. I mean, from what I've read and not, I have not spent a, a ton of time researching this. When I read them and I think about them, I think, oh, this absolutely could be home. This absolutely could be relationship, whether that's a friend, a spouse, uh, right, an ex or whatever, or it could be work, your boss, your coworkers, or probably any combination of those. I was going to say, guys, I, I think it is trauma. So we're using the word wound in this particular case. However, all of us have experienced different levels of trauma in our lives. And it's interesting in terms of here it talked about in these kinds of ways and how it it's not the incident. It is, in this case, the wound that we're carrying with us that hasn't healed. One of the things I love about our conversations is that it's not as if we go and we research this and we go through it and we have all the answers. It's really interesting when you guys bring something and it's like, wow, I've not had this conversation. I've not thought about it in, in this particular way, or this is brand new to me. It makes it such that it really does make you think. And as you listed those seven things, right, lots of things could have caused it. It's not the causation. It's the fact that I haven't dealt with it yet and I am carrying it with me and it is impacting the distortion. That was the word, Scott, that you used. It is impacting my ability to be at my best. It is impacting me and it might be my roadblock right now for taking the next step in my career, next step in my relationship, next step in trying to become the person that I want to become, the journey that I'm on. And that open wound, right? When you were talking, I was imagining someone who just, this is the thing that's seeping in their life. Yeah. And they and it have, has them, they're frozen. They're stuck. Yeah, they're stuck. Are we, are we talking about trauma-informed leadership. It's an interesting phrase. And I would guess there are people I've not, again, I've not done that kind of research, but it actually, I think very well may be that thing. If our folks have these wounds and we decide as leaders that this is a book, we decide as leaders that this is something that it's our responsibility to actually take on to move forward and to help the people that are part of our organization, part of our responsibility. If we decide as leaders that that is our responsibility, then we truly do need to have methodologies to walk 
down that path with people, not to do it for them. I am not advocating, I can fix you. I am asking that question though, when we have employees who have this kind of wound, this kind of trauma, is it a leader's responsibility to walk through this with them and to help them get to the other side? And how many times have I heard people say, I'm not a psychiatrist, right? I'm, I'm not a social worker. And yet, as we talk about humanity in the workplace, as we talk about that we're whole people and we don't just leave that there and walk in and just become the robot that gets things done. As we learned in COVID that we have stuff and we have to let people deal with that. There's so much in this space that maybe that's changing in that leadership role. So that's interesting. We are wounded. I know that I have some of those wounds and I've carried those wounds in my life. I'm guessing you guys have too. I don't think, I don't think any of us are like immune to that stuff. Is it a leader's job to help them walk through it? It's a great question. And it's interesting because as I've thought about it and I think about what that podcast episode talked about and what we're talking about, I wonder if there's a deeper question. Do we as individuals, as humans, have a responsibility to do that? I think there is a piece of a responsibility to support us to grow and become more than we are today. But then I think, well, wait a minute. What stops me as an individual with you, Tammy, or you with me, or us with Carmen? That if we look at it from, no, hey, if we have these things that are holding us back and we're in relationship and right, we're at a deeper level of disclosure and work relationship, in my mind, there is a profound impact that could come from that in that team or in that department or in that organization if we're all doing that together. I didn't expect you to go here, Scott. This is just out of character (laughs) for you. You know, so I'm like, did you really just say what you just said? I did just say, yes. You did. So this, from that standpoint, you're cracking me up because, you know, you're (laughs) usually just, you know, a different human being in this moment. Yeah. Um, I've been drinking heavily today. (laughs) Something's wrong with you. I'm not sure. Where is Scott? (laughs) You know, imposter. So I'm, I'm imagining kindergarten cop, right? Yeah. And that little kid, that little kindergartner saying to Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's a tumor. It's a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Okay. All right. I'm imagining the Grinch and, you know, oh. the moment when Scott's heart grew like three times <laughs> oh, bigger. That's so sweet, Carmen. Yeah. Scott doesn't always show his humanity. So this is kind of cool. Honestly, two things in that, Scott, and this is not going to be very popular. When we have trauma, when we have wounds, I do believe the individual that is has that wound and has that trauma in their life, if we are not willing to face that trauma and walk through that trauma, I think we do get stuck. And then sometimes we use that trauma as our excuse. And honestly, I think the most successful people are folks that they have the trauma, they have the wounds, and they have made the conscious decision to go and fight that battle and win. They don't give up. They don't let the trauma define them. Mm -hmm. They go and win. And in fact, there's quite a bit of research around that of people who have come out of war zones and they have had had 
injuries or lost limbs or whatever that is. And the folks who actually say, yep, that happened to me. And they work towards becoming who they can become now. They actually are folks that are happier, more successful, and actually go on to make huge impacts in the rest of the world because they've worked through that trauma. They've worked through that wound. It's when we get stuck and we don't get past it. So I do think there's an individual contribution to that, that every individual has to kind of have come to the point that says, am I going to stay here or am I going to move past it? So I love that part of it, Scott. But here's the other part of what you said that ties me back to, again, some research that I've read. The veteran that had that trauma happen to them, they oftentimes come back, they get kind of in that funk and they're like, right? And they're kind of wallowing in it. And someone comes alongside and says, hey, you want to take some steps to kind of move forward? And if that person asks that question at the right time, And that vet is ready to hear it and is ready to say yes. It's not that this person is saying you're broken. It's not saying get over it. It's like, hey, you ready to take some steps? And when they say yes, right, because the person asked at the right time, now they have someone to stand with them and walk through them to move forward. So Scott, when you said, do we have a responsibility to one another? Could we do this together? That research that I just read in the last six months, combined with what you just said, is yes, that is the way we get out of it. Not by letting someone wallow in it, but keep asking the question, are you ready? Would you like to go? And when they're ready to say yes, go and do it together. That 100% makes sense to me. I think we all need help. We all need someone to go on the journey with us. It's funny you say that help. Last year, I forget what article we all read, but it talked about the right the two most feared statements. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I don't know. And I need number help. two. And number one was I need help. Yeah. And all the stigma around I need help and all that. To me, it all connects together. And honestly, I need help doesn't mean do it for me. I need help is will you come and stand with me? Yes. And we do make that mistake. Sometimes we as helpers come in and it's like, no, you can't do it for yourself. So I'll do it for you. Uh Uh-uh. That person is strong and capable. And while they have a wound, it doesn't make them less. And so in that space, they need to build that muscle and grow and find out they can do it. But it's really nice to have someone stand with you in that company and that cheerleader and that spot that then occasionally they can lean on you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But not do it for you. Carmen, what are you thinking? Because your brain is just going. I can see it. I am known as the nice person on our staff. And I'm going to be not nice maybe here. (laughs) So you're a leader. Somebody that works for you has a wound. You get it. And it's... It's not just holding them back, but it's holding back the work. It's holding back the team. It's affecting your ability to be effective. What do you do as the leader? Well, 
<laughs> so now, Carmen, that is, you are right, because it, it, we are not at work just to hug trees. We are still at work to get outcomes, to get results, to get things done. And so your question is, how far do you take it? And how long can you have someone in that role that is not getting the work done and carrying their weight? Okay. Because that is the other side of it. If I carry you the whole time, that is also not fair. So I think a part of that is recognizing that if there is a long term, you know, this takes years. An organization probably doesn't have the privilege to be able to work through years of someone not being productive, years of people not carrying their weight. If, however, we're talking about giving someone a bit of time, because Carmen, now you need a bit of time. Next month, Scott needs a bit of time. And for instance, right now, you all know that I'm working through my mom going from being independent, able to live independently, to actually having to move into skilled care and some serious skilled care with memory loss and those types of things. And right now, I need a little bit of time. And our organization has been kind enough to stand next to me and walk with me on that. And for the six to eight weeks that this has been going on in my life, our organization could handle the lack of productivity on my side and the extra support that I've needed. But if this went on for two and a half years, maybe we couldn't. But if these are more short term, I think what's cool about that is sometimes I carry you, sometimes you carry me. And it is the gift that we give to one another in this work world that is more human-based than it has been in the past, but it is a balance between results and humanity. And I do think that that is one of the really hard, hard questions that every organization has to face when we have people that are going through these things. And we've seen this done successfully, right? You lose a spouse, right? You have someone going through a divorce. You have someone who has a sick child. You have a parent who's aging, just real typical experiences that we have watched organizations be able to help that person transition through that. We might not have called it abandonment. And yet when you lose a spouse, you lose a parent, there is a feeling of abandonment in that space. Yeah. What do you think happens if as a leader, you can walk with somebody through those things? I believe it comes back to, you know what, the reality is some leaders will lean into this and do it. Some leaders and some, we, we can even separate out leaders, leader, organization, mm-hmm. individual, team, right? Some people say, hey, it's really uncomfortable, all, all of that. I think one of two things really happens. People are going to lean into it and they are going to work together and figure it out. Yep. It won't be perfect. It'll be messy. And on the other side, you're going to do amazing things and you're going to be connected and you're going to have a spectacular relationship. Because the trust was built inside that trauma and inside that journey walk. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now you think, okay, they don't, or they do it a little bit. You can still have good results, still great results. You won't go as far as you could. And that does match with Brene Brown's point of view and the vulnerability piece that's out there in that space that says when we can be that vulnerable and actually be in some of those spaces, 
we sometimes pretend that everything's okay. And what she's saying is get into the, some of those spaces that are a little messier. And when we do that, we actually forge bonds that are different because we did that. But that takes vulnerability. It builds trust, but only if that trust is not broken in that space. So that does fit with what Brene Brown says. And I would also say this, we have for years and years and years and years listened to leadership gurus, you know, best-selling authors tell us, hey, the seven traits of effective leaders, right? Or here are the 10 essential leadership, you know, traits that you need. And we kind of tried to put a box around what makes a great leader. Fact of the matter is, is that I have met great leaders that are completely different from one another. However, they lean into their superpower, the thing that works best for them and who they really are authentically as a human being. And I do think, Carmen, your point is, and Scott, what you just said, if this is your superpower, this ability to walk with people through these hard times, that is going to be the place where your leadership is going to shine and you're going to you know, you're going to get the rewards of that. And other folks, if this isn't theirs, their leadership traits, superpower will come out in another place and they will shine in that area. So it's not as if you have to do this thing that may not be who you are, but if it is who you are, then it does make sense to lean into it and use that as the piece where you build that connectivity knowing that it's not the only one. There are other ways for you to build connectivity too. So leadership is not a one size fits all. What's your leadership superpower and how do you lean into that to make it the best environment for you, the team, and to get the results for the organization? And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.